over here we've got like in a lot of parts where we live this this winter we got like 200 percent i think snowpack we got basically double what we normally got and danny's had to hear me whine about it mm. i've just spent my whole winter moving snow so i don't get buried here but <laughs> danny's been throwing me shit he thinks i need to move to florida yeah I'm, I said, I'm not old enough to live in Florida. <laughs> you a hundred percent should move to Florida. Yeah. No, dude, I'm, I've hit my snow limit this year here in Idaho too. It's been crazy. We, Andy and I have kind of grown up really close to each other in our grandpa, uh, where, where Andy lives now, uh, had bought this place and it has like, I always just seem to have these old snowmobiles and stuff around. And so what we went through like a couple winters there probably of just fixing up these old snowmobiles for us to just and dude we went crazy on these things like they weren't nice they were just like things that we were just like jumping and just doing these crazy stuff and but this one thing we used to do is that in the middle of the night i mean it's like i don't know andy 10 i don't know how late was this i mean it was close we would do this for hours it was dark we were doing this in the moonlight yeah so here when it's really dark out and the moon is up it will reflect off the snow so your visibility is actually a little bit higher in the middle of the night in the winter and so we we do we do this thing where we would hook up a sled to the like this like a sleigh riding sled to the back of a snowmobile and then it was me and andy and my older brother spencer and we would drive in this area that we call up on top which is kind of up on a mountain and one of us would hide in the sagebrush while the other two, while one, somebody was driving the snowmobile and then somebody was riding on the sled and tow behind it. And the dude in the sagebrush would have to jump out and basically just fist fight their way onto the sled, like to steal. It was, it. It was like a king of the sled. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mean, like, you're just trying to steal the sled from basically the dude that's flying through there. And see, we would do this for hours and it was the most fun but it was so exhausting to do this and we got i mean we were pretty close so we we got we got pretty rough you know with each other but i can just remember one time in particular <laughs> that i my brother was driving the snowmobile and i was holding on to the sled and there's a there's a specific type of fear that you have because it's dark enough that like you, your brain doesn't really know. I mean, I know it's Andy jumping out at me, but you don't really know it. Like, you know, and so this, we're cruising down the area and Andy jumps out like a madman, basically foaming at the mouth and <laughs> jumps and wraps his, like wraps his arms around one of my foot. And so mind you, we're going pretty fast on a snowmobile and Andy's just getting dragged by like hanging onto my leg. And I just looked down and for, I don't know what overtook me, but I looked down and I just, Andy's face is like looking right at me. And <laughs> <laughs> like, as we're, as, as we're fighting and I take like my size 12 and a half freaking snow boot and just planted it right in between Andy's eyes. Like, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> and the bed, I mean, like, like I just put my foot right there on his face and, and like Andy let's go. And like, I fell off and then like, we both sat there for a second and Andy's like, <laughs> and we just were kind of shocked. I think, I don't know. It must've been like a lizard brain moment for me, but then we made eye contact and he's like, you just kicked me in the face. 
Like straight up got like, kicked in the face. Like perfect bottom of my huge foot just kicked Andy right in the face. To put it into context, like I'm holding on to the sled or Tim's foot or something and just being dragged on my belly. So the only thing, like I'm laying flat on the ground and my head is just up. Like it's the only thing that's up on my body. Everything else is laying down. So it's like this perfect target. I don't know how you didn't break my neck. Cause like with your wow. head, with my head being up 90 degrees from my body and then Tim, <laughs> and this is not a small human. Yeah. Never. I've never been small. Yet. Tim's massive. And there's no way I shouldn't have died that day. But the best part was, is that we just probably did it for another two hours. We, it's a little bit kind of wild west out here with the cousins. You know, we're a little bit crazy, but. Oh, sure. I don't know how Andy has all of his teeth. That's what I always think about. It's like, how do I know? Producer Jake here. While I can't confirm nor deny if this story is complete bullshit, I can attest to it being all wild, wild west-like. These two birds used to chase us younger cousins around with cattle rope and take us out at the feet. So, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyways, let's get back to it. Let's hope these guys get this shit on the road. Moral of the story is don't go sledding with me and Andy because it gets super violent. I'm sure lots of things that y'all do become super violent, I would imagine. It's just one of those things where the homies and family are hanging out. and Well, in my case, it was siblings, but in, in y'all's case, it was cousins but you know you just tend to be a little bit rougher with everybody than you would be with somebody else yeah dude it was rougher, <laughs> rougher. more rough more whatever rough. the yeah rougher, whatever the rougher, proper rougher, english rougher. is for that all right we're happy to have danny in this intro we missed him last last episode he had prayer engagement so he made yeah. tim and i carry it y'all carried it well it came out really nice super stoked to have jamie yes it's, uh, jamie's a guy that we've all looked up to uh, after we got involved with this community and in the Death Bats Club and Avenged Sevenfold, he's really good at what he does and and does a lot of cool things over there at Center. He's a cool human. Um, I have been lucky to meet him in person twice now at each party, chat a little bit outside of Discord. Um, I guess he has deemed me cool enough to be able to shoot a text message to on occasion, which I feel honored to to have that privilege. He, he's a good follow on Twitter. We, we tend to line up on some of the things that we talk about on there and have a good time chatting about that stuff as well. Just super stoked to have him. He's one of the first people when we were talking about doing this podcast, one of the first people that we talked about having on. So it was it was great to have him. Um, it's been a little bit since we've recorded it. You know, we've kind of switched the switched the releases around a little bit, um, but it's it's going to be a really fun episode. He also gave us a lot of insight because we're slackers. We don't know what the hell we're doing. We just thought it'd be fun to do a podcast. And he's actually, um, I don't know about the podcasting side, but the social media side, he's very knowledgeable and, and good to have around. So we, we learned a lot. Very cool, dude. And he was, um, his, he has some really awesome, uh, just when he talks about his experience in his profession alone, it's just like, it's stuff that you can't even like you can't even buy you can't buy that type of experience and so you know you can't go to school and get the type of experience that that jamie has and so i hope you guys enjoyed the episode and um without further ado i guess we'll head into it sick so jamie I, all of us are really curious we we've all sort of been involved 
with this DBC project involving Revenge Sevenfold for a while now, but the one of the big ones that everybody talks about is the center stuff. And we're I'm really curious to know, A, what your role is in the organization and what has been like working so close with those guys involved in the center project? Well, my role, my main role is social media manager. And that's just, it's a daily thing for the most part. I love it. That's been my main thing. And when I first started doing that unofficially, it was because Sin had dropped those first few clothing designs. It was the center flag and then the uh, Synarchy logo shirt. And I was a huge fan of the original clothing line. Like in high school, it was fucking Vengeance University and, and Sin Gates clothing. And I always really liked the way that their stage presence was. Even like City of Evil when it was a little crazy. I always thought they just, they looked so bizarre and different. And it's like, you look back at it now and it's kind of like, ah, maybe it was a little over the top, but it was fun. And so when Sin started that original clothing line, like that was all I wore. And I also liked that it had a little bit of like a, even back then, a little bit of like a street kick to it. Right. Like kind of a punk, like a punk element, right? Yeah, for sure. And so I was stoked when he brought it back through the center label, which was originally still, uh, it still said Sinister Gates clothing on the inside. And then that got changed to center real quick. So anyways, long story long, I had started uh, like a, a fan page to promote the clothing because Sinner didn't have any socials back when it was the Syngate school. And I don't think they were necessarily looking to have socials at that point. Everything was kind of, you know, go to the site. And if Sin wants to promote it on his socials, he can. And I had asked beforehand if it was cool to just run a fan clothing account. And Jack, Angelique, or I, I don't know how, how to say Jack's last name, um, but Jack, who was heavily involved um, in building Sinner into what it is, I went through her and, and I think she went to Sin and he was like, yeah, that's cool. And I had done social media prior to this. I worked for a record label called Revival Recordings for six years, running their social media and helping the bands with their social media and the fan accounts that were like official, unofficial fan accounts through the label. And so like, I, you know, I'd done my time and I interned for them a year prior. So I really was seven years. So I kind of just took that and started applying it to the the fan page. Cause after a while, that's all, you know, like that's how you run the social media accounts. That's just where your brain goes, you know? And so I think Sin had started to notice those pages were doing well. And my whole thing was the site is self-sustaining. It doesn't really need promotion, but the clothing, like a lot of people don't realize that the clothing line's back. And, and I wanted to make sure that people kind of had an idea. So I know he started to take notice because he would, he would go through occasionally and like some of the posts. And I was like, that's fucking cool. Super, super rad. Like that would just kind of like, you know, it's like that little like small pat on the head. I'd be like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then during the, uh, the Rona outbreak, they were doing a live stream on Syngate School. It was one of the first ones I think they'd done. And if you were a legend, you could get on. And I think they were taking questions. And I thought it would be a cool idea to have, the, I think it was to have the YouTube channel more active because there's a Sinister Gates YouTube channel. It doesn't get a ton of use, which at this point, I don't think there's really a reason. But I kind of brought that up, like maybe having more of a social presence. And then Sin was like, you, I've been meaning to talk to you. I want you to DM me after. Ooh. I did, and I guess he'd been keeping an eye on everything, and so he pretty much asked what my background was and was like, you've been doing a really fucking cool job with everything. 
And so I gave him the whole rundown of, you know, my seven years at revival and all that stuff. And we scheduled a phone call, which was fucking terrifying. Uh, you know, like the week after I was just sitting there like, Oh Jesus, this is, you know, you're really good up until about five minutes before. And then you're like, Oh shit. Uh, yep. 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 True. And then we, we got on the phone call and he was like, do you want to talk first or should I talk first? And I was like, let me know what you got planned, buddy. And he started talking and we just instantly like clicked. Um, it was like, like not in a forced way, not, it was just like, holy shit, this is really cool. Um, and it was supposed to be like a 15 minute, you know, 20 minute long phone call. It went for like two and a half hours because it was just like, well, this is what my vision is. And this is what I want to do with, you know, the site and the clothing line. And he kind of was like, do you want to help out with some of the designs and things like that? And, you know, we, we found that we had a lot of the same clothing influences at that point, fashion influences and musically too. And, you know, since whole thing with that line at that point was again, prior, you just had those few very basic minimalist tees and he wanted to take it in more of a, and some people roll their eyes at this, but more of like a, a streetwear sort of style, which is why some of the designs look so fucking wild. Like they're, they're not your typical rock and metal designs, you know, some people get thrown off by that. Some people like, what the fuck? But you know, but a lot of them have like a trippy, like mushroom vibe too, you know, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like a little bit of streetwear, a little bit psychedelia, a little bit of, you'd still get that punk element in there for sure. It's just this mix of wild shit. Yeah. So, uh, that call happened. It was phenomenal. And then I became social media manager for the center account. And he was like, well, let's just use the accounts you've been making or the accounts you've been using. Like these are fantastic. We don't need to make new accounts. So originally we weren't going to do Twitter. And then about a year and he's like, Hey, we should, we should have a Twitter page as well. So originally it was just Facebook and, and Instagram. Now we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, fucking. Oh, it's on TikTok as well. I need to follow that. Yeah. We have TikTok as well. And that's more so mainly like riffs and stuff like that from, from the site, you know, that people are posting, but yeah. And then it was also, well, I'm doing social media, so I might as well also make you a mod. So you, put me on as, as a mod, which is definitely my secondary responsibility. Like my shit is making sure that anything that's going on on the site is getting promoted out to a wider audience through the center pages and occasionally on, on, you know, his, his stuff. Um, if he doesn't have time, I'll you know post his story or whatever. Um, and you know, pushing the clothing, pushing whatever's going on, but moderating the site as well and making sure everything's running smoothly and, and, uh, you know, just, those are my two mains. And then when it's time to come up with new clothing designs or ideas, we'll have meetings and, and him and Michelle do a lot of that, you know, but it's very cool when they invite me in to help with some of that stuff. And, and they do. And the thing I love about not just working on designs with sin, but just working with sin in general is that dude is incredibly kind hearted. He's the nicest human you'll ever meet. He's very like honest. Uh, at the same time. And he's never backhandedly honest. He's never, you know, he never says things in a, a snide snarky way. He's just, it's straightforward, which I love because I've done social media other places and, and bits of clothing designing other places where people will kind of poo poo around if they like it or not. And then, then when you, when it's time for a new design, you kind of take what was you know done that last time and bring it in and they go, Oh, I don't really like it. And it's like, well, you've told me for the last year that you were kind of digging that stuff. And now, Oh, we've, you're not really into it. Whereas sin, it's like, I'll send him a list of ideas or like designs or whatever. And I think our fir the first time I sent him like 20 things, it was this huge long list. I've learned to cut it down since then, but he was, he would just go, 
love that. That's sick. Let's fuck with that. I don't like that. Yeah, don't like that one. And he's just, he's never a dick about it. It's just, he tells you straight up what he likes and what he doesn't like. And that makes me work better because I can cut off the fat and I know exactly what to do, what not to do. And he does that with social media. He lets me do my thing on there. Obviously there's, there's things to promote, things to push, but he's very hands-off and he's like, you know, do what you will. It works. But if there's ever anything that needs tweaking, he'll call me or text me. I love everything you've been doing. Let's try doing this a little bit differently or let's try doing that um, and see how that works for a little bit. And he's, again, he's never a dick. It's always kindness and it's coming from a place of, we just want this to be the best thing possible. And so it makes my job super, super easy because I just know where to go and where not to go and what he doesn't want at all and what he does. And that's why he doesn't have to really bother me much when I'm doing social media because I know, like we understand each other perfectly and that comes from a place of being super, super honest. So yeah, it's... Long story short, it's it's social media, it's it's moderation, and it's you know at times helping design the the gear, uh, which is still the fucking coolest thing ever for me. I've had a couple of interactions with Sin, like when you say that he's just kind of to the point and never an asshole or anything. Like no, never. We've had some cool run-ins at the parties and things like that. But um, I was gifted a guitar lesson with him through the through the one of one that uh, a friend of mine got. And we did that. And he said, you know, hey, drop me a DM or whatever every now and then and just kind of let me know how your progress is going. So I DM'd him like around the holidays. I'll, you know, I I'd send death bats like for their birthday and stuff. I'll just send them like a little coffee, like a gift card to go get some coffee or something like that. I was like, hey, man, let me send you a little something. You know, I appreciate the the lesson and all that. And he's like, he, he legit said, I would call you my friend now. So because of that, I'm I'm going to make myself sound like an asshole, maybe. But um, gifts are kind of getting a little overwhelming. The best gift that you could give me is just work on that guitar and let's fucking jam one day. So, you know, I get it. Like it's it's to the uh, it's to the point. Not an asshole. Super, super kind guy. But and, you know, they all they all seem to be a little bit that way. So that's that's cool that it's that way, like on the business end of it as well. Yeah, I think you have to be if you want things to run well, you have to be honest but you also can't be an asshole and i don't think those guys would be assholes if they tried you know oh for sure younger <laughs> men they were a little bit more antsy and feisty um but now they're just the most relaxed dudes but they know what they want it's kind of like that guns and roses attitude of like right. we know what we want we're going to make it happen but without the fucking gigantic feisty egos you know mm. um and again it just makes everything you know for your future interactions with sin like now you kind of know what the dynamic is right and, and that is with everything we do is i kind of understand that dynamic now so so well and again it just makes everything fucking easier mm. you know and on every level every aspect so it's it's cool i feel like that's like a real product of the culture that they've sort of built around them too i mean when we've gone to these get-togethers and stuff like that you kind of go into it expecting, I, I actually, I don't really know what I was expecting. I've never, like, these guys are really famous to me. You know what I mean? And, and obviously they're really famous to a lot of people, but so going into them, you, you just don't know what to expect. And honestly, one of the last things that I expected was really how normal they were like to just have these conversations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Val and Michelle were both, you know, really awesome. And we saw them at the, the three of us were at the thing in New York. And then we ended up being at the party there in Huntington Beach as well. And what was crazy is that like, you know, the first few minutes that you walk in, you know, or the first time you see, you see, you know, Val's like, oh, hey, how's Idaho? You know what I mean? And and so that's must be really awesome for you to have like 
being able to get into the position that you're at and like just find out that they're normal like way ahead of the rest of us you know what i mean yeah it was yes and no because it was you know there again there's those first few minutes before you have that initial conversation where you're like holy shit holy shit holy shit and then it was like instantly on that phone call he's just (laughs) he's a dude in the band he's one of the greatest guitar players to ever live but he's just he's just a dude he's just a dude yeah he's so calm and so fucking cool the first time that we actually got to hang I think to him, like to them, it's just like, oh, we're friends. Like, you know, and and that's true. The first time he and I actually hung out in person, I'd been doing social media for probably about five months for him at that point, six months maybe. And that was, again, the cool thing is like, we became friends first and business associates second, kind of, you know, the dynamics a little strange, but it's, it's cool because we're, we became super close really quick, but I also run the social media pages. And so at that point, I was totally used to like calls and texts and whatever, and we were going to hang out. And I was, you know, understandably a tad bit nervous. Oh, for sure. I'm hanging. And so I went to the the old Casa de Sin and he's, I'm like, hey, I'm here. And, you know, I texted him, did the text thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come back and make your house. And I didn't want to just like, you know, knock on the door. And he's like, no, 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 just walk in. It's cool. And I was just like, <laughs> wait, what? for me, I'm just sitting there like, oh God, like, you know, just walk in. Like if it was yeah. a normal homie, it's like, that's not a problem. But when it's, you know. It's that dude. It's the first meeting. Like, oh, I don't shit. even necessarily feel comfortable doing that at my mom's house. Just walk in. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Whatever you say. You're like, what if I'm a murderer? Right. <laughs> right. Like, you know, you're like, all right, I guess this is how it's going to be. Um, but again, that makes the dynamic for everything afterwards so much more like understood. And he's a fantastic boss and he's also a fantastic friend. You know, last year I was going through some stuff early on in the year. I was having a rough time. I don't know how he heard about it, but he did. Um, Cause I'm kind of, I mean, you guys know I'm a little bit more mm-hmm. to myself on social media. I'm jumping discord all the time. Like Twitter's kind of the place that I go, but it's generally not super personal shit. Right. And so I don't know how he knew, but he fucking drunk texted me one night. I was like, yo, I'm coming home from a trip. I heard you're down. We're going to fucking talk tomorrow. Like, are you, and, you know, he's just like, he's that deep where he wants to, he wants to know if you're okay. And he wants to know what's going on and, you know, give sagely advice when it's applicable. And, and he does, and it's very helpful when he does, but he's just, he's that guy that like truly gives a shit, like no bullshit. He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to pretend to care. Like he legitimately gives a shit for real. I have people in that I'm friends with that I see a lot more often that don't really give a shit to that level. Like, you know, friend people I've had as friends for years. And it's not anything on, on their character. It's just, you know, that's just the way sin is. Like, he really gives a shit about people and, and friends and associates and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when you talk about guys like Avenged, it's like it's easy to get lost in, like, the rock star thing and the right, you know, right. social media presence of those guys. But they're legitimately phenomenal human beings that truly actually give a shit. And I think that's also very visible in Death Bats Club, like the way that they talk about everyone, the way they talk about projects, you know, how passionate they are about things like that comes through in a lot of different ways with, with all of them. Oh, for sure. Like, I think that's why the community for the Death Bats Club is, is as good as it is, is because it really, like, it legitimately does start at the top, right? The wild thing about it is they pay way more attention than anybody realizes Yeah, they do. to everything that's going on with it. Yep. I can't remember what, it was either Sin or Matt. One of the two brought something up in California that I had completely forgot about. I was like, how did you even remember? He's like, I, we just pay attention to mm-hmm. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. I got you. It's a, it's a good culture. It's a good project. Like I, I like the fact that, 
people kind of get almost, uh, I wouldn't want to say laughed out of the room, really, like when they bring up floor pricing and stuff like that, because the values in what they're providing to their fans and, right. you know, what the future holds as far as music and interactions and things like that, like each could go to zero and it's not even really going to matter. No. So, and that's, that's a good culture for the community. It is. And they're sneaky boys in the best way. It's like, it's the same thing on, on center. It's like, I'd go to update sin on stuff or the mod team would go to update sin on something. So, yeah, I know. Like, and you're like, you know, he's kind of just like there in the shadows sometimes. And, and it's like, he knows people's fucking first and last names, you know, on a, like he's clicked in. Oh yeah. That happened in New York. We had a, a small like core group of people that were all kind of hanging out and she sent a text message out. Andy and Tim were passed out in our hotel room <laughs> and I didn't want to go up there. Cause I mean, obviously hotel rooms in New York are kind of smaller than they are everywhere else because you know, they try to pack as many people in there as possible. And she was like, Hey, um, does anybody mind helping us set up? And I was like, yeah, I'll walk back over there. So I'm bringing guitars downstairs and I go downstairs and sin is just shredding. Like the DJ is playing his music and Sin's just fucking playing some, wild stuff just along with the dj or whatever and he looks up and he's like danny fucking hunley i was like yeah like i don't fangirl a lot but that kind of made me go <gasps> like wait what <laughs> by the way that's one of those moments that you wake my ass up <laughs> well i didn't know that that was gonna happen for one like and then you know w- when you get there and you start helping set up and all like you kind of have to focus on, you know, getting everything ready for the party and all, but you, you walk downstairs. I've never met this man once in my life. And obviously I look up to him cause I've been listening to the music for decades, but Ooh. first and last name and put fucking in the middle. Like I was like, <laughs> like, like I'm something, you know, like yeah. I'm just a dude. And he was like stoked to see. And even in California, he walked up to me. He's like, dude, I've been looking for you. Come take a shot with me. Like mm. it's, it's wild. Like what is my life right now? It's crazy. Yep. So I want to jump in for a sec. And like we talked a lot about kind of where you're at now, Jamie. And and you mentioned, was it Revival Records that you worked for? Yes, sir. I guess I'm curious the path that led to where you're at. So was it just grinding it out on social media or was it more of like, I'm following my passion and this is kind of just where I ended up with Sinner? Yeah, it's funny because one of my favorite bands of all time, I'm not a metalcore guy. I don't like warp toury music. It's not my thing. It never has been. But one of the bands that I, one of my favorite bands of all time, gets lumped in with that group. It's Alisana. I've been listening to those guys since 2005, 2006. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. Always have really looked up to those guys. And they do weird shit. They do concept records. Like their first record was All Greek Myths, retold by them. Their second record was Grimm's Fairy Tales, all kind of with their own spin on it. And then their three records after that was based off of it was they were full stories at that point so it was one that was based off of Edgar Allan Poe multiple Poe stories one that was based off of Dante's Inferno and one that was based off of the A Wrinkle in Time series so they whole they took those influences from each of those stories and created their own characters and made this three album long trilogy over the span of a couple of years and when they got to the last one when it was time to start working on that last one, which was based off of A Wrinkle in Time, they were on Epitaph at that point, and they wanted a little bit more creative freedom because they do weird shit. <laughs> you know, like they do stuff that certain labels might not love. Like their record that's based off of Dante's Inferno, you have moments where there is like Italian narration from the actual book hmm. um, with like stringed orchestras behind it that go into the next, you know, bizarre shit like that. Oh, yeah. 
the lead singer Sean, who's the song main songwriter. Um, he does the clean vocals. He's been one of my favorite people for a very long time. Um, he's truly a fucking genius. He wanted to start his own record label, which I think had kind of always been the goal for them, anyways. So he, you know, they they exited Epitaph and he started Revival Recordings. And Revival was kind of their way of having more artistic freedom, but also bringing younger bands to light through their you know their fame because they were taking the, the the foot off the pedal a little bit at this point like they were all having kids they were starting to you know that the last probably six or seven years for them they've been a little more behind the scenes on things and so they wanted to have the freedom to do stuff when they wanted but also bring newer younger bands to light and i've been going to alice santa shows for a long time and sean and i connected a few times in, in various ways outside of alice santa shows and I was very close to a lot of people who he had handed some of the Al Sanders socials off to at that point because he didn't want to be doing those all the time anymore. And so I was always kind of helping in that community um, in one way or another. And when Revival started to pick up a little bit more steam, someone who became my very good friend, Katie Stewart, she was doing all of their Al Sanders socials and also the revival socials. And as more bands kind of got brought on, they needed to expand the base a little bit. And so the first person that they came to Katie goes, Hey, I think Sean wants to talk to you at the, at the next Al Sanders show, which at this point was a couple weeks away. It was in 2015. And so they only really wants talking about, I had no idea that it was going to be bringing me on. I had been doing internships and helping some of the unofficial official fan pages for some of the bands that the label was putting out. It's kind of like a secondary place for various fan-based communities to kind of come together. So I'd been interning, lightly doing that stuff. I guess Sean was impressed because after the show, he came up and found me and, and took a shot with me and was like, I want you to do socials for Revival. So I was like, hell yeah. And I did that for, for six years. And, you know, the label grew and more bands came on. And there's changes in the team and, you know, people would leave, people would, new people would come in. And so, you know, there was a point where I was running all the Revival pages of assisting a bunch of the bands with their pages again some of the fan pages and then at the end of my time there i was also running the al santa pages and their facebook has like three million people that was like the largest oh, wow. page that i i run at that point it started to get a little overwhelming and i think you know for me anything changes over time and a lot of the bands that were being brought on and stuff weren't my cup of tea at that point and you don't want to do something if you're not giving it a hundred percent. And so, you know, during COVID I went to Sean and Nick and we had had a, Nick was the vice president of revival at that point. He still is. And we had, we'd had a meeting at the beginning of the year and it, I could tell from where they were going. It wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to keep putting as much time and effort to. It was just, it, was just, it had changed. It was different. And that's not for better or for worse. It just wasn't vibing with me anymore. And so I sent them an email and said, Hey, I think I'm going to step back for a while, you know, cause you want people to actually give a shit to step into those roles and that are really like into everything that they're doing, you know, because it, it's going to blossom and flower better. And so I, I stepped back and I was going to kind of be done with social media at that point. I was getting a little burnt on it because it had been so demanding. Oh, sure. Again, it wasn't just like a couple pages. It was like band pages, all the Facebook, Instagrams. Some of them had TikToks, the revival YouTube. It was just, you know, like literally, 20 plus 30 plus pages, you know, logging in and out. I was just like frazzled, you know, like I said, I was kind of done with social media for that moment. 
and I didn't know what I was going to do. There was, there was a lot of changes going on that year. It was a weird year. I, I mean, the world went into lockdown and everything was kind of strange. And But, you know, doing social media that long, like I said, it kind of rewires your brain permanently. Like that's just, I'd be running my own personal social media. Like, like it was a, an account, you know, like that's just like along with things. And, you know, as to how I, the center thing, like I said, it kind of was just like, I started that clothing page as like a fan thing, just as a way to kind of get the word out more so that clothing line was, was out. And I thought that it deserved its own promotional cycle and, and posts. And I was just so excited because I truly love that shit. People ask all the time is like, why do you put so much effort into Death Bats Club? And like Andy's had to talk about it and Tim and myself. It's it's because we love to do it, right? It doesn't feel like it's work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why it blossoms into what it blossoms in, whatever it is, whether it's a, a job opportunity or being able to hang out at the party with the guys or whatever. It took off for you because it's something that you love to do yeah. and you didn't mind putting the work in, even though, A, you, you probably weren't getting paid for it at the time. Or B, you're not looking for recognition. You just thought the shit was cool and you wanted to to get the word out for it, you know, and look what it can become. I, I've had conversations with a lot of the younger crowd in Death Bats Club and it's like, oh, I'm going to work, you know, I, you know, whether it's like a, like a Walmart or a whatever, and I hate my job and I hate my life and I hate this. I'm like, just put effort into what you love to do and something's going to come of it. Yep. This is a perfect example of that. Yeah. And, you know, without Revival, I, I probably wouldn't have had the chops to do this. And so I'm always going to be super thankful for where that took me. And I still, you know, I'm still friends with a lot of people there and, and all that stuff. But this just instantly felt Right. Like the moment that everything kind of kicked off and it was like, you know, and I even had someone from Revival message me afterwards after they found out because I kind of kept it quiet. I kind of liked the being the anonymous social media manager for Center because when, once people know who you are, it can issues can arise from time to time. <laughs> people think they can like, you know, directly message you about things that really aren't appropriate and, you know, whatever. But I remember someone from Revival going, you ending up doing socials for sin kind of just seems like the way things should have always played out. Like regardless, like it kind of almost seems, I don't believe in destiny, but it kind of seems almost like a destiny. Thing. Right. And so that felt good to hear from, from someone else, you know, like someone on the outside that isn't me uh, or like your echo chamber circle or whatever, you know? And so I don't know, man, it's still bizarre. And having any kind of role in, in anything that, that that guy does. And he's a fucking genius. And it's like, you guys know, it's the same thing with, with death bats club they have so many cool ideas and visions for the future and some of those things are down the road and some of them are more immediate but they are not pulling any punches with their visions like they know what they want to do and they're going to make it happen one way or another and they have some some big ideas for shit Mm -hmm. you know and that's why it's why it works so well they're not afraid to be ambitious and it's in their music it's in their projects it's in death bats club it's why they're at where they're at and it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, about how that opportunity came up for you. Yeah. To me, from the interactions that I've seen, whether it's like behind the scenes videos or of the music or what's going on with Death Bats Club or, you know, talking to the guys about it. It doesn't seem like they stress out a lot about it. It's just like, hey, this is what we love to do. We're going to do it. We're going to do it our way. And it's just it's less stressful that way for sure. Yep. So with like, man, this year, 2023 is probably going to be a pretty big year for everybody that's kind of involved in this. And I just wanted to ask you, once they start touring and stuff like that, how, what do you think your life's going to turn into? Because 
when's the last time that they toured? I don't, I'm trying to remember. 2018, I think. 2018. So like, this is going to be just for you personally, this is going to be kind of a big shift. What do you think that's going to be like when they're on the road and their things are much more active and there's a new album out and there's new music and in all that kind of stuff? You know, I think I was just thinking about that this morning. Um, <laughs> it's, it's bizarre because I still have, you know, a day job and stuff like that. Like this is something I do half the day, I guess is a good way of putting it, but it's, you know, I still have a day job and, and stuff like that. So it's a balancing act, you know, it's day job center stuff. You know, luckily I kind of have that social media background where I can schedule things beforehand in a way that's somewhat beneficial to me. <laughs> it sort of makes sense. I think for me, again, probably for you guys too, and everyone in the fan base that's stuck around, you know, you saw when they took their time off for, you know, they, Matt's voice went out and COVID stuff happened. And they took their time with the record. Mm -hmm. You saw a lot of people sort of move out of the fan base for a little bit. Like people get bored, they go find other bands, like whatever. Not everyone's going to be active for five years between albums, but you're already starting to see more activity. People, you know, they're announcing shows and people are kind of starting to, you know, make their presence known again. More and more people are coming back into the fan base. So it's exciting in terms of, I think it'll do every community. Center's going to do well. I think Death Bats Club is going to have more eyes on it. More people wanting to join in. Avenged's community as a whole is going to pop off again a little bit more than it has in recent years. And again, that's no one's fault. It's just what happens. We live in a very, what have you done for me lately? age right and mm -hmm. there was a lot of stuff that they've had going on and so it's going to be fun to kind of see more life get breathed into a lot of this stuff across the board and i think for me i don't know how much is going to change for me i think they'll definitely it'll have to be a little bit more stringent and strict it's gonna it's gonna take more attention for sure which i'm totally good with um and i'm excited for it but it's also going to be like you know one thing that i i've thought about often is when Sin dropped, the first clothing drop, it was after they had already gone off tour at the end of 2018, when Matt's voice had already kind of, he'd been wearing that stuff on stage, but nothing had come out. So we haven't had a clothing drop come out when they've been on tour or when they've been active. So Sin hasn't gotten to wear any of the new stuff on stage. Yeah. So for me, it's going to be exciting to see a lot of that stuff like come to life on stage. Yeah. You know, it's going to be people yeah. going, because people love what those guys wear. Right. They're always like, oh, their style is so fucking cool. Where'd they get that shirt from? Sinner hasn't gotten the clothing side of it, hasn't gotten that attention yet, really. And and so like that's very exciting. So that's gonna give some really cool promotional material to use, you know, all mm -hmm. the videos and the, and the photo shoots and all that kind of stuff. That's exciting. In terms of Sinner itself, I think the cool thing is they'll be doing interviews again. This stuff will be coming up a little bit more often because you can only hit so many people with social media, right. you know. Mm. And you don't want to bang the audience over the head with the same shit over. Come join center.com. Come join center. You don't want to mm. do the same shit over because people will get tired of it. They'll get burnt out. And, you know, that's something that you have to learn is how to balance your promotional material, clothing, riffs, website promotion. And, you know, something that Sin and I talked about early on was like, sometimes just post a weird fucking piece of art or like bizarre shit, you know? It's, and mm. not only do we pull from streetwear sort of things, for clothing, but you know, also like like a civil regime, the way that they run their social media is very cool. So I pull a lot, or like Cactus Jack, I pull from a lot of those things as well. And so I think overall, it's going to be a little bit more attention hungry, right? But in a very natural, easy to run way. Mm. It's going to do well. I think once he's talking about it, interviews are going again, and oh shit, that's right, there's a free guitar site. You know, because people forget, and 
I think it's just going to be, it's going to be busy. It's going to be fun. And it's just exciting because this is when shit kind of grows. You know, this is like revenge kicking back into the high gear and that affects everything. Death Bats Club, Sinner, Vengeance University, like everything kind of gets affected by that. When they're back in the spotlight, everything does well. And that's mm-hmm. a really fun thought, you know? Yeah, I think we're all super excited about that. I think that this next year, we're just anticipating a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's crazy to see like the amount of work because typically for us as fans, we're consumers of it all. We actually get the fun part and we get to pick and choose the fun part for ourselves. So it's kind of really interesting to hear it from your perspective because you, you're the producer, meaning, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're producing a lot of the fun that we're having. You know, it's really interesting for me to hear like that perspective of it. And not to call us all out, but we all have the same poster on our wall right here. But like T-shirts and hats and like freaking stick. I mean, just we have I have so much Avenged Sevenfold like stuff that it's just like it's so cool to see the process of what it takes to get it from the creative minds to basically into my closet. So that's that's super cool. Yeah, I'm I'm like pumped for you, man. This is going to be a big year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be wild for sure. And, and like I said, it's it's going to be interesting because, again, I'm going to kind of have to reevaluate how I balance things a little bit more, you know. But I don't think it's going to be a, a super like crazy shift in, in time or energy or anything like that. It's just going to be more prevalent. And I think that's I think that's a good thing because I adore everything that those guys do. And I would follow any of them. And especially Sin and, and his visions, because I know I have a rough idea of what he wants to do. I would follow that dude through hell. Mm-hmm. And and as long as he's got the ideas and he's there, I, I will follow that dude anywhere. And I mean that not out of blind loyalty, but because I kind of know what his ideas are and where he wants to take things. And so it's like the opposite of blind loyalty, <laughs> you know, not exactly. It is. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I was just going to say that. That's actually kind of what I feel like it makes it special being the opposite of blind loyalty, just because it's like these dudes have proven to put so much care into like everything that they do. At this point, it's like they've proven not that not that they have to, but it's just like and they know that they don't have to prove anything to anybody. But time and time again, I feel like they do just based off of their character, which is super cool, I think. Oh, yeah. I think that's a good segue into kind of what I was thinking throughout this whole thing is like, so you've gained all these experiences, which is really cool to me because like Danny had talked about earlier, it's like, it's one of those, you know, you follow your passion or you, I guess you allow your passion enough time and attention. It could, you know, it's probably going to blossom into something. So over, over the years, you've been following your passions and it's kind of built to where it's at now. But do you have, do you have like personal goals or or things like that that you'd like to achieve knowing all the things you know now and like and learning the ropes of what you're doing or are you kind of just you know i'm just going to keep following it because it's doing its own thing does that make sense that was a bad explanation yeah no it, it totally makes sense you know for me my personal goals i've become so intertwined with everything that sinner is that my personal goals have kind of become goals for sinner and I have stuff outside of that. Like I, I love poetry. I love writing and, you know, like stuff outside of, of center and, and Avenged. Yeah. I have, you know, I'd like to get books published and I do on the side side, I do contributing to uh, new thought books and occult books and stuff like that from some people that I know, authors and stuff like that. I put my little two cents in some of their 
works when they let me fuck them up. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd like to get some of my own stuff out at some point more, again, probably more poetry based, but a lot of my personal goals, like I said, they become goals for sinner, the socials, the site, the line, you know, like even like hitting 10,000 people on Instagram. We did that with no paid promotion, just fucking posting every day, being consistent and getting people to, to dig the content. And mm-hmm. for me, that was huge because I think there's no stats on this, but I think if you get that first 10 K people on your social and it's organic, when you do start paying for, for ads and promotions through the social media sites, you've already got such a solid base that no matter what those ads do, or no matter fair weather, people kind of come in and then fade, you know, unlike whatever stop participating you always have that solid base that you built organically that's always going to be there and so Mm -hmm. for me that was like a gigantic personal goal and i think going forward as sinner evolves and and as the guys continue to do what they do my personal goals kind of just intertwine with that more and more and that's what's been so cool is it was like at first it was like i'm helping sin with with his thing and i fucking have never felt so honored to do anything in in my life ever but then you know you'll talk to him and he'll say our thing and it's like you know when we're talking about sinners like sinners our thing and it's like yes it really kind of has become that where it's like yeah it's still his thing but like i put so much time and effort into it that it's goals and it's future kind of intertwined with what i want to do so a lot of my personal goals are helping him grow this thing as much as possible It's such an interesting landscape because, I mean, sure, I guess you can go to school for communications and do certain things, but really these types of things become what they are by being in the trenches, I feel like, and actually doing the work. That's where you learn how to do it, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, and it can be a little rough sometimes, you know, when I was at Revival, it was like, if there was album pre-orders that went wrong or ticket issues or whatever stuff, it wouldn't even involve us in, you know, the ticket issue or whatever people come at you and they're pissed off and you have to learn to kind of deal with people <laughs> and you know i i can be a little bit of a sensitive boy and so i still necessarily don't deal with people being super pissed off about things super super well and usually we don't usually with sinner it's very most people are fucking awesome but occasionally you'll get that comment uh, or sometimes people are just trying to be dicks and I try not to let it bother me, but there's been a time or two where I've been like, oh man, that sucks. You know, like you just, you can't help but get bummed, but that's part of the, the job. And, and my skin has thickened a bit in the last couple of years. And so it's just, you know, you take it on the chin and, and you move on. And some, you know, people have good criticisms too. It's just, if someone's an asshole about things, you're less likely to listen and more likely to either be a little bit pissed off or a little bit hurt. Right. <laughs> but it's, you know, people also have legitimate criticisms and, you know, it's all important. But yeah, you're definitely in the trenches for, for a good bit. I think you're in the trenches all the time. You just It's one of those things where you keep learning and growing and you, you figure out what works and what doesn't. And, and for me, it's like, I know a lot of social media managers love to schedule posts out beforehand. I don't. And everyone's got their own style. But I've just had so many issues with that over the years when I was you know, at Revival and, and mm. even when I've tried doing it for Center, where like you literally program the post to go out at a certain time on a certain day. That can be real touchy sometimes. And, and right. you know, I remember once on Facebook, happened a couple of times on Facebook, it wouldn't let me edit the post and there was a tiny, tiny mistake in there. It's back when I was at Revival and it was like, that happened a couple of times. And it's like, after that, you don't care if they fix that mistake, you become kind of paranoid that it's going to happen again. So I don't, I don't do that. I just 
you know, I, uh, every Sunday I sit and I figure out what the week's going to look like. And I think a lot of people also think that social media is like, oh, you make a post and you throw in some hashtags and you're done for the day. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're learning what the algorithm's doing because it's changing every other month. You're going through your weekly analytics, your daily analytics, what works, what doesn't work. You're getting promotional material made up or you're making it yourself. Um, you're looking at what you've posted in the last two weeks because you don't want to double post. You don't want to push the same thing too much. It's, it, it's so involved and there's so much that goes into it, especially if you want it to run well and healthy or organically. And not every post is going to do amazingly well, but you want to optimize it as much as possible. Right. And with social media, it's like, you're really only good as your last post. It's like, okay, cool. Like mm-hmm. today was great. Now I got to do the same thing tomorrow. And I got to make it slap just as hard, you know, or, or harder. And if it doesn't, even knowing that every post isn't going to hit 5,000 likes when it's something that just doesn't hit as well, you, you do get kind of like, you know, but it's, it's a good, like self-driving fire to have. And it's definitely, it's consistently being in the trenches, but the trenches get a little bit less insane as you're down there, you know? It's fascinating to me because I feel like we're old enough to remember when a, there wasn't really social media. And if there was, it was like MySpace, which was so much different. Like there wasn't <laughs> all these algorithms and all this weird shit. It was like, I pick my top friends. I look at my people's profiles. They have a song that plays when I go on there. You know, people were like messing around a little bit with how their page looked like and then to watch it become the beast that it is today it's not Mm -hmm. like you said just a couple hashtags and stuff it's the literal foundation of almost anybody's company or business or anything Mm -hmm. it all hinges on that it's it's the customer service like you were talking about now not to put too much weight on your shoulders (laughs) well no but in saying all of this i think i'm trying to get myself to the point where i think you're doing an awesome job like we all pay very close attention to what you're doing we think you're amazing and awesome too that we got to meet you uh in huntington beach finally like that was that was really cool for me I, that was fun dude it's funny because i fangirl over a lot of what i call the a7x royalty yeah yeah like courtney and the barry bros and yourself so that's all just part of the culture to me and i think it's amazing but back to my original thought social media is so incredibly powerful now like Mm. it's pretty much everything like you were you you touched on like it it becomes the customer service it's the face of the brand or the business it's it literally went from being oh my top friends to make or break like it's just insane and i think you're doing a great job anyway i don't know that was a big brain dump but just just to throw a little bit in there when i told these guys that i was i had contacted you and you wanted to do the podcast with us like andy oh my god like really no way yeah (laughs) he's a crier so he cried about it (laughs) he did yeah no it was it was super fun to me i was the same way at the party i was like holy shit like these are the dudes like you know it's also weird because you talk to people online so much and you see what everyone's doing especially like our communities are so tight and so close and everyone kind of knows everyone even if they've never met in real life it was like oh fuck there's Danny. There's Andy. Like it's just like you start seeing people, especially at those yeah. get-togethers, because everyone's there, and you're like, oh, you just start seeing people, and you're kind of fangirling over everyone because it's like I was the same way with literally everyone. It's like, oh fuck, I, and, you know, it's just it's it's crazy. The really wild thing that we've been talking about after these two meetings is what are the chances that everybody is the exact same personality in person as they have been like whether online or on discord or on Twitter or anything like everybody just, I don't, I haven't seen a whole lot of fake people come out of the community where it's like you play this persona on discord and then you're just like a dick. Yeah. Like when you meet somebody, you know, in person. So it's been a lot of fun for sure. 
it's always interesting when you meet people in person. And then when it's again, the exact, you know, they're the exact same way in person as they are online, or at least very close. It's like, fuck yeah, dude, that's cool. You know, cause it can, it can be weird when you meet someone in person and, and they're very different from their online persona. It can like kind of throw you off your game because you're kind of taken aback and like, whoa, this is a little bit different than I was expecting, but everyone in DVC and center and everyone that I've met in real life is just as sweet, if not sweeter in, in person than they are online. Mm-hmm. That go, and that goes back to the community. Like yeah. that's, that's the community that the guys have built is they're that way. They interact with people online and they're the same in person as they are interacting with people online. And everybody just kind of picks that ball up and runs with it. Yep. For sure. I would imagine your experience with that probably runs a little deeper than ours. I feel like up until like the DBC that I didn't have those interactions a lot where I was like, I have, I have these internet friends that I'm going to go party with in New York. <laughs> Never. I was impressed, I guess. I, I was really nervous about it. And then how natural it actually was, was, was really cool to me. Like we got along, like we'd known each other for a really long time, but I bet I'm willing to bet where you've been in social media for as long as you have and stuff that you probably have a lot of those interactions. You've probably been dealing with that for a long time. So you, you probably knew how to go into it a little better than I did, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know, man. It's yes and no. With Revival, it was always very interesting because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of people in a more business-esque sort of way, like ticket sales and refunds and album pre-orders and, and, and merch and stuff like that. It's a little bit more community manager-ish. And so when you meet people in real life, it was, I think people were almost taken aback to like I wasn't real like fucking record labeling and shit you know you're mm-hmm. a little bit more yeah. relaxed and and then there was the opposite where it's like sometimes you meet people or even bands that either you one of your bands is going on tour with or a band that maybe was on the label and they'd be on tour and you'd go out to the show Santa's headlining or because you just want to help out with promotion and stuff and they you know, they, oh, what's up? I, I'm your social media manager in real life. Like, what's up, dude? People you've been talking to for a bit and or or assisting with promotion, even if they're not on your label. And people are like, oh, hey, and they just don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of, you're kind of like, all right, well, I know who's uh, getting a little less social attention going forward. You know, but it's, <laughs> stuff like that happens. It's kind of a, a bummer. But with Sinner, I think the thing that's been so fun is we don't want it to come across like it's just like very robotic and hey guys please buy our shirts please come to our website please come learn guitar it's very like it has its own voice and that voice is going to get mixed with mine a bit because it's you know i'm the one that's running those pages but it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be not super serious and and promotiony and it's like yeah we're promoting things but it's it's supposed to be fun it's a guitar website. It's a fucking, it's a, it's a clothing line. And and the thing that I love about what Sin's done with Sinners so much is not that he's necessarily pulled from this, but in my mind, it's like what Travis Scott does with Cactus Jack, where it's like, it's a recording, it's his, it's his record label. It's his, it's his clothing line. It's his collaborations with Nikes. It's, it's all this stuff under one banner. Mm-hmm. And Sinners very much that it's, it's the clothing line. It's the guitar school. It's the community. And I think that's been one of the slightly more difficult things to balance, especially early on. I think a lot of people didn't understand that those pages were originally clothing pages only. Mm-hmm. And then with time, when the Syngate school became Sinner, they were still just going to be clothing socials. And then as things you know kind of evolved, it's like, well, we can do site announcements through the socials as well. And then it kind of became the socials are just everything that is Sinner now. For a second, that was one of those things that kind of like 
stung for a second was there was a point where people were kind of going at the pages like there's not enough guitar school stuff on here it's like well these are the clothing pages you know like the name it hadn't been defined yet where those boundaries were and i got really bummed over that one day i remember because it was just like it was it was a lot of people that kind of like had that issue and, and i felt like i'd fucked up and and you know, with time, this site, the, the, the pages naturally became that. They naturally became this one-stop shop for everything center, but you also don't want to take away from the site itself. You know, the social media pages are there to let you know what's going on on the site, store, the community, but you don't want those things to be where people are just primarily hanging out because then what's the point of having the site and the community and, and the, you know, all that stuff. So that's always an interesting thing balance and it's it's a constant game and his algorithms change like look sometimes instagram doesn't like you promoting your store products it wants you to you know keep people on twitter does the same thing if mm-hmm. you can link things twitter won't show your stuff as much because they want you staying on twitter oh, yeah. so it's tussling with that stuff and, and and getting it right or as right as you can and doing what you know is right for the community and and what is going to be the most beneficial to the best of your ability and, and some people aren't going to like that and some people will let you know that in person and some people will let you know that online but at the end of the day it's it's supposed to be fun and like i said it's a consistent balancing act and uh as algorithms change and you just kind of have to adjust and like i said i had to grow a little bit of a, a thicker skin and you know when you meet people in real life most people are going to be really cool and uh, about shit and you know, you always want to like answer people's questions honestly and stuff as well, but you can't always answer everything because there's certain things you can't talk about. And then mm-hmm. people think that you're being like purposely like sneaky or you're being purposely like, you know, deceitful or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. I just, I can't talk about this stuff yet, whether it's in person or, or, or online. So, yeah. So here, here's a question that popped into my head as you were talking about, you brought up that the clothing sites first and all, but pe- people have to realize that the guitar school is part of it now. And, you know, we've been talking about the work-related stuff and the, the DBC-related stuff. Are you a guitar player? Are you part of the school? And if not, what do you do when, like, you have an off day? Like, what do you look for? Like, do you just chill around the house and watch Netflix or get out? I mean, I know you're on the West Coast. You got to the beach. What gets you going other than all of the work-related stuff? Yeah, so I, I've been playing guitar since I was 13, I'm not good. I'm never going to be good. Like, I'm very aware of the fact I'm not a good guitar player. No matter, my fingers don't do what I want them to do. Um, and it's, you know, I've done the exercises. Listen, I've been playing for a long time. The way that I've kind of gotten around that is I'm a massive fan of 70s classic rock, like Rolling Stones, T-Rex, Small Faces, Faces, like that stuff where like, you listen to Keith Richards play and it's like, he's not playing the cleanest, but it's fucking awesome. It's like, you watch live videos, the stones and it's like, he might sound a little high that night or a little drunk or whatever. And the, you know, the, the solos might sound a little funky, but it's, it's what adds to that sort of dirty, gritty rock and roll aspect. And, you know, so I've kind of taken a little bit of that for better, or for worse and in, into my playing is I like that sort of like things are a little off. Things are a little dirty. Maybe sometimes a tad bit out of tune or that bend sounds a little funky, but some of that stuff adds character. It might sound like I'm trying to fucking defend my terrible playing and on some level, I probably, <laughs> you know, like, no, that, that is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> sure. no, no, not at all. 
Not to me, though, right? Because I've always had the philosophy of like, if everything was perfect all the time, everything would be fucking boring. Like it would like it would all sound the same. It would all. Oh, yeah. Here's a you know, the imperfections are what I look like. I like that kind of stuff. So I I would have never even thought the way that you described it as to be defending terrible guitar playing. No, it's, it's what you like from what you've seen. And um, it's just part of it. Yeah, it's, you know, I like things a little wavy, I, but that's a lot of the music that I listen to as well. Like, I don't love things when they're they're perfectly done. Mm-hmm. You know, I like things when it's a little, it's got a little bit more character to it than that. And so, you know, I do play guitar a lot. I got really into some more like beachy kind of gritty beachy rock and roll the last couple of years. Like bands like Fur, Modern Vices, where it's almost got this like, kind of like 50s grit to it. And I've been enjoying learning a lot of that stuff stylistically and that's actually funny enough it's kind of cleaned up my playing a little bit because you kind of add a little bit more distortion to those things and and the effects are a little bit different like mags is an artist i'm a huge fan of and and you can't necessarily get away with some of his tones or similar tones if things are a little necessarily off with that because you'll hear it stand out because it's a little more echoey and wavy and you'll hear those imperfections so in some ways it's listening to some of those more messy players has actually been a little helpful yeah i play guitar i haven't been playing as much the last year or so just be, you know probably about the last seven months or so i'm still always learning and, and you practice when you can but it was a busy couple of months especially near the end of the year it got pretty crazy so it was just you know it's a lot of day job stuff when i'm off i don't have a, a ton a ton of off time you know it's day job or center and then when i'm off you know, I'm still usually like scrolling through the center site or looking at our stock on stuff or whatever. Like I, I probably have a, a sick obsession, but, um, you know, it's also, it's a lot of fucking reading. It's a lot of metaphysics. I'm really into to working out. I, every day I try to hit 10 to 15,000 steps. I do my 120 ounces of water and, uh, my workout of choice is weighted jump rope and not weighted handles, but weighted ropes. Um, because people kind of, think the weighted handles are this really beneficial thing, but they don't really trigger your muscles the same way. And they just really fuck up your wrists. Whereas if the rope is weighted, you're getting the feedback from, from that. It's, it's hitting all the muscles. It's a full body workout. And I mix that with a lot of body weight exercises. And then on days when I'm not doing that, I do that about five days a week and some days there's crossover days, but I also just do basic weightlifting. And like, I'm a skinny fucking dude. I'm stickish. So building muscle is, is a bit hard, but it's just more so staying in shape and, and keeping the mentals good through working out and diets and all the water and you know, all that shit. That's I tell people all the time that I don't work out for my physical health. I work out for my mental health. Like it's such an important thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the last six or seven years, I'm actually down close to 70 pounds overall. Like I was in a bad relationship and I wasn't happy and I was eating a lot and not doing anything. But what I've found through doing all that, like you said, you know, you have a hard time putting muscle on, like people tend to overthink stuff like that. Like it's really just, if you take in a lot of protein and you're at a, if you take in more calories than you burn, then obviously, you know, if it's lean calories that you're doing, you'll probably end up putting it on. Some people put it on. I mean, obviously everybody's a little different, but like, you know, I'm struggling with a couple of things I've got going on right now. You just got to keep at it. It's all, it's with anything, with your guitar playing, with working out, with 
recording podcast. You know, this is our second one. We've got to get more familiar with it. It just comes with like repetition and and sticking with it and not giving up, yeah. you know, on it. So sure. legitimately, like we're doing this um fitness check, like these distance challenges and stuff for Death Bats Club. And I always make sure like you can you can put pictures on it. You can put comments. My comments are always, hey, out here working on my mental health. Yep. If, you know, my mental health feels better than my physical health will feel better. Yep. So I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. And, and with all that stuff, everything, consistency is key. It's like, just get, a, a, I love this channel on YouTube called the Jump Rope Dudes. Like their whole thing is, is mainly doing jump rope shit. And mm-hmm. they, their whole thing is just do the thing, like stay consistent and do the thing. And if you get a 10 minute workout in, that's better than not doing, yep. you know, and find what works for you and, and stay consistent and you'll have some results. And sometimes they're a little bit more slow going than we like, cause everyone's body's different. Like I put on muscle, but it's, it's slow going. That's fine. I'm not trying to be super fucking jacked or anything. Like I just want to stay in shape, get muscle where I can. And, and, and again, keep the mentals good because that's the mentals are bad. Everything else kind of suffers. And, and people will also want to take what's worked for them and try and help other people. You know, Danny, I know that's something that you do. You can see in your posts when, when you're talking to people, it's like you're finding things that have been beneficial to you and you want other people to experience that. And there's nothing wrong with that. hundred percent. I just, you know, that that's, that's all you can do. Like, and I try not to like point out what other people could do better. I, I just try to focus more on, Hey, this helped me, you know, give it a shot maybe, you know? Yeah. And try not to overthink it because overthinking like with the way, and I know we, we get into a lot of the social media talk and the, and the, you know, that can branch into like, news and commercials and this and that and the other that people might be seeing along with that stuff. For example, like the keto diets and the this and the that, like what changed my life was just three 10 minute walks a day. Just focus on the simple things. And, and, you know, it could even be the same way with guitar or, mm-hmm. you know, just, just focus on your campfire chords. Cause there's like half of the pop songs on the planet. It's four chords. If you learn those four chords, you can play 75% of the music out there. So right. you're not going to be, if you're just picking up a guitar, you're not going to be Sinister Gates in 30 years and you probably still won't be him in 30 years. Well, I mean, and, and with Sinner, that was always one of my favorite things is when you do get people who are just starting out playing guitar and they come to the site and they're showing off what they're, what they're learning or they're asking questions or they're posting their progress. A lot of the times the shit you learn the most from are, are the, the very people who are just starting off they're like holy shit like you know they're doing they're doing it in a different way but that's 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 amazing and, and i remember sin saying that at the very very beginning he was like a lot of the people that you'll learn from the most are, are not the intermediate and advanced players like yeah they can teach you a bunch of amazing fucking things but inadvertently you'll learn a lot of shit from the people who are just starting off they'll post a progress video be like am i doing this okay i'm like maybe not like by the book okay but that's a very interesting cool way of doing that thing and now i'm going to apply it and see how it works for me and so you get a lot of that shit and i i love when that shit happens because it benefits everyone you know it's it's fun that's kind of why like tim and i started talking a long time ago about a podcast similar to this and i feel like that's kind of everything coming back around and i see we're at about an hour and i don't want to keep jamie held hostage all day but i learned a long time ago, I've been at the same job that I work at for 10 years. We get students. We don't get to choose. We get them. Uh, we have to train them. I learned that if I pay attention to them, I learn something from them every single day. They have no idea what they're doing. This is the first time they've ever been on the job. 
I learned something about my job from them every single day, let alone about just, you know, your general bullshitting and learning stuff. So that's why I like what we're doing here. That was the whole point. I wanted to learn something. I want to be able to talk to people that are the best at what they do. I think Jamie, we all know your background. We all know you're killing it. But I feel like that conversation kind of wraps that up perfectly for me. It's like, I'm just on this planet to learn some stuff, uh, meet some cool people. So yeah, as long as you're learning something and making each day different than the day before, your chances are you lead a pretty decent life. Yeah, I have a blast hanging out with you guys. And you know, it's it's fun because you know, it's like I think for me, one of the things that I want to see happen more is more bridging between you know the communities. Like, yeah, it's like there's Avenged, and then there's these separate communities kind of separate under that umbrella, but it's like, I'd love to see more center people taking part in DBC and vice versa, you know, more people coming to center. And, you know, I think one thing that has slowed down a little bit over there is, is people posting like progress videos and, and new people coming, or people just posting songs that they've written, you know? Um, and it's always fun when you have newcomers and people who kind of want to just see what the site's about and, you know, or people that have been playing for fucking years and they just come and start picking out the lessons and helping themselves to whatever works. And it's fun. And when communities kind of bridge together more, it's always, it's always cool to see. So I hope that, you know, as things progress this year and we all know it's going to be a, a fucking year for sure, as we touched on earlier, I'm looking forward to seeing those communities kind of bridge and branch together a little bit more. Dude, I got to revive my account. I have an account over there at Center. I planned on getting on there and going through a lot of the the guitar lessons and stuff. And I, I hate when people say that I don't have time. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that, but I didn't allow myself the time, I guess. I didn't make the time. Right. He's like, I, I don't want to say I don't have time, but time is something that I don't have. Yeah. I mean, it just, life happens, you know, but I, I need to go over there and revive my account. And our lessons were, I mean, there's still, I think there's still a couple issues, but the lessons were down for, for a while over there. Oh, were they? Okay. Yeah. That was a, a huge issue and it took a, it took a good long while to fix and people were understandably getting a little heaved, but it's, it's on the men now. So hell yeah. Awesome. Hell yeah. Tim needs to use that sign base and maybe go over to center.com and yeah, I know. I'm a little worried about smudging it. <laughs> I've probably already got it out enough just by myself to pretend that I'm in the band and stuff, you know, Jamie, any last words, my friend? Do you have a guitar within reach? You could sing us a song with your guitar playing abilities. I can't do that. I don't sing. Um, but um, I just, like I said, I'm excited for this year. I think there's a, there's a lot of shit coming down the pipeline from a lot of different areas of the Avenged Sevenfold family. And I think it's going to be a good year. And I, I like I said, the, my my biggest wish is if, if you're uh, involved with Sinner and you haven't checked out DBC or vice versa, fucking cross streams cross promote it's it's fun to uh, bridge communities and and i think that you know at the end of the day even though there's these slight separations it all kind of falls under the same a lot of the same people overall it's the same band that's kind of bringing everyone together so i'd love to see more camaraderie between groups that maybe feel a little separated from each other right now i think it, it would be beneficial for everyone to kind of just start fucking around with each other shit you know Oh, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
Them's is my last words. Thank you guys for having me on, by the way. It was it was a blast. We should definitely do this again uh, at some point because it was it was a good time. Absolutely. We love you to death, homeboy. It's been really awesome talking to you, and I 100% appreciate your time, and, and that's the most important thing we have on this planet, and you gave us an hour, over an hour, so appreciate you. I will gladly give you guys more anytime. I appreciate all three of you very, very much. Thanks, buddy. Oh.